thank you for tuning in to the Diligent Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we talk about the Bible, speak the truth, and make Bible study come to life. Here is your host, Joshua Cantrell. On this season of the Diligent Podcast, we have been asking a question, and that question is, how do you handle? And we have been labeling that with a series of uh, different questions that have challenged us, that have encouraged us, but ultimately have convicted us to be more like our Savior, King Jesus the Christ. On this particular episode, we're going to talk about how do you handle, and we're going to label this episode enemies. How do you label enemies? And of course, throughout these next few episodes, uh, of course, we're going to talk about how we handle enemies. But before we do any of that, we want to talk about public enemy number one. And of course, that is none other than the devil. If I was going to introduce him to you, I would say, first of all, uh, that he is a liar. That's what he is, and that's who he is. He is rude. He is cunning. He is unmoved by our pain or our emotions. He wants to destroy your marriage and your children and everything around you. He wants to see the congregation you attend fail. He wants us to quit what we're doing. He wants to arrest your faith and he wants you to surrender. He has destroyed more homes than anyone. He has destroyed more marriages than anyone. He is not a friend. He is an individual we should not look to for guidance, comfort, or wisdom, for he is a liar. Satan has been battling in his own mind, if you will, with God, because I believe there is no battle going on. There is no comparison going on. The word battle gives implication that one is going to win and one is going to lose. In terms of God and Satan, God is always and always will be victorious. The inspired, the inspired writer John records for us in John 8, 44, uh, He abodes not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh of a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. From his introduction into the world, he has called havoc, and he is the reason many have turned themselves away from God. And he desires to have you. With all the blessings you have in life, and we do have a lot, you have someone who is not comfortable with all you have. In scripture, he has called many things. Consider these few things with me. He's called the prince of darkness. He's the tempter. Matthew 4.3. He is the ruler of demons, Matthew 4.3. He is the evil one, Matthew 13.19. He is a liar and the father of lies, John 8.44. He is your adversary, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He is a roaring lying, 1 Peter 5.8. He is the accuser of God's people, Revelation 2.10. Satan is mentioned 52 times throughout this book. Of course, we know Job 1 verse 6 also attests to that as well. And again, he is called the devil in John 8 verse 44. 
And I want you to know as you're listening to this podcast, Satan desires to have you. Again, he wants to arrest your faith. He wants you to surrender your identity. He wants you to give up the thing that makes you different. Who is he? He is the sworn enemy of God. We speak so often again in terms of rivals, but God has none. He is the angel that rebelled against God. 2 Peter 2 verse 4, For God spared not the angels that sinned against him in heaven, but cast them down in hell, or to Taurus and chains of darkness reserved unto the judgment. He thought he was worthy to be feared, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He is the enemy not only of God, but also of mankind. Relentless in his, in his mission, to kill, to steal, to destroy, to enslave, we're warned, be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. The devil's power is laughable compared to the power of God. To compare the devil to God is to compare a drop of water compared to an ocean. Satan has no other purpose but to deceive. He seeks to deceive entire nations, the world, and individuals. He twists and distorts the truth. And there is no power in his life. Again, for he is a liar. One man stated, if I were to tempt you, you would know it. If I were to accuse you, you would know it. But if I were to deceive you, you wouldn't know it. The power of Satan is in the lie. If you remove the lie, you remove the power. Notice how the devil accuses God with me. Satan's greatest desire is to keep you away from God. He will seek to either cause you to deny God's existence or to slander, lie about God's character. Here's an example. God repeatedly affirms his love for us. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue my faithfulness to you. Not that we loved you, but that he loved us. See, what kind of love the Father has given us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But what does Satan say? God doesn't love you. Look at all the problems you have. If God loved you, you wouldn't have these problems. Sound convincing? One of the tricks is to make it seem like it's truth, but it's definitely not. Yet all the people face problems. It's part of life. What Satan neglects to tell you is that if you have a relationship with God and depend on him, God can lead you through those problems. You do not need to shoulder or solve them on your own. God can give you the wisdom and real strength in the midst of those problems. Not only that, but he says, while we face difficulties, my peace I give to you. Why? Because the person knows that God can be trusted. Satan wants to bend the truth and convince you not to believe the Bible. And if he really has you, he'll convince you not to come to worship. One of the things I continue to stress to all is that Satan is after your faith. That's the thing he hungers for the most. He wants you to wallow in your pain and suffering, eventually leading, if you allow him, to your death spiritually. The words used to describe the devil 
should put all of us on high alert, even at or especially when we worship God. Some of the words include, see subtle, Genesis 3.1. The word means to be shrewd, crafty, sly, sensible, or cunning. He is a deceiver. The word means to roam from safety, truth, or virtue, to go astray, to err, to wander, to deceive, to hurt, to seduce. He is a liar, a falsifier, one who breaks faith, a faithless man. And again, Jesus' description of the defeated one in John 8 verse 44 ought to be known amongst all of us. Ye are of your father, the devil. Again, he's the enemy. How do you handle this enemy? And the lust of your father he will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Jesus warns Peter about his arrogance and the devil. It is by faith we come to God. So it is by faith we must stay with God. And again, the thing Satan is after is your faith. Because he understands, sometimes better than we do. But he understands that if he can get your faith, he can get you. The Hebrews writer says in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So again, Satan is after your faith because he knows if you don't have faith, it will sever your relationship with God. So here we are at the Lord's Supper, or rather Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. And Jesus announces to them, one of you is going to betray me. And they began asking Jesus, well, who is it? They didn't ask that question long because their next question was, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? It's amazing that in the midst of Jesus saying, one of you is going to betray me. They spent a few minutes on that. Well, you know what, Jesus, that's cool. But who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Peter, in essence, says, Lord, it ain't going to be me. I will not be the one that will do it. So the Lord has an announcement for Peter. Jesus says, Satan or Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. Circle the word you in your Bible. That word is in the plural. And then he says, but I have prayed for you. The next you is in the singular. Now, what it means is Simon, Simon, Satan just doesn't desire to have you but he wants all of those around you because the first you is in the plural. He's speaking to all of the disciples. Satan is not just after one member of the church. He's after all of us. And Satan desires to sift all of us. The word sift means to separate. They will put wheat into a sheave so that it will separate the waste from the wheat. So Satan wants to shake the sheave and expose who you really are. You, the one that is always praising God fervently. Satan is saying, I'm going to expose you and show you and God that you really aren't who you claim to be. And often what Satan wants to do is put you in a situation to show God you are not who you really are. I want you to understand Satan wants to expose you Satan is a crafty being. Paul says the wiles or the methods of the devil, Ephesians 6. Satan is a strategic being. He's tactful, 
and he moves with an agenda. He'll try to find out what makes you tick and he will use that for his advantage and he wants you to curse God to his face. Satan will look for characteristics that you already have to use for his purpose. Remember in Genesis 3 verse 1 where the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtile, more crafty, more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Satan is not the serpent and the serpent is not Satan, but rather Satan used the serpent. Many have said the reason he used the serpent was because the serpent was already crafty. The way Satan destroys churches and homes, whatever it is, he looks for members that already have the characteristics that he likes. He looks for those things and he uses those for his own agenda. And more often than not, Satan doesn't have to put it in our heart if it's already there. Judas betrayed Jesus in John 13. And the Bible says Satan entered into Judas. Chapter 13, the Bible lets us know in John, Judas was already covetous. Before Satan ever got to him, he was already greedy. Who better to betray Jesus than a greedy man? Satan only used that. He only used what was already in the heart of that man. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4.27, don't give the devil place. If you are going to be a member of the church, learn not to give the devil position over you. Because many times we bring him into church with us. Don't allow Satan to find something in you that he can use for his agenda. Because he's desiring to sift you like wheat. He's after your faith. And Simon, Christ says, I'm praying that your faith fail not. The devil is the sworn enemy of God. Again, there is no goodness in him. There is no reason to bargain with him. There is no reason to debate with him. Because he will take the truth and he will twist it. He will take the truth and he will put it out as if it's truth. But in actuality, it's false. That's why Jesus identifies him as a liar. We all know what a liar is. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to suggest. We know exactly what a liar is. The devil has so many disguises. And the great or the irony about all this is Satan doesn't mind you coming to worship God. He doesn't mind that at all. Now, if he can keep you from coming, he'll be fine with that, too. But what he most often attacks is God's truth in worship. Passages from Jesus and God and then Satan counters. Let me give you a few. Here is something Jesus said. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Jesus would say, he that is not with me is against me, Matthew 12, 9. Jesus would say, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word have one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day, John 12, 48. Paul would say of Jesus, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Now, what happens in light of those passages when Satan gets his hands on them? 
agreement. Concerning Christ being the way, he'll say, yes, he's not exclusive, he's inclusive. Concerning Christ judging man, Christ's message is one of salvation, no con not condemnation. In fact, many of you are fond of saying, my God don't judge. And if your God don't judge, you have the wrong one. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, the world of Noah all teach us one thing clearly, and that's God judges. From cover to cover, I know one thing is certain, and that is God judges. The first seven chapters in the Bible, God judges three times. But let me tell you what happens in the other four. Two of the remaining four, he was making the world. One is a genealogy. In chapter six, he says he's going to judge. He just hadn't did it until chapter seven. In other words, in making the world two chapters, three of them is judging. One he decided and one is a genealogy. Friends, if your God don't judge, you haven't read your Bible. The first seven chapters, he's judging. The Bible is not a book to be followed. It's not literal. It's a law book. It's a love letter. It's not literal. When the devil finds his way into your hearts, there is evidence that he's been with us and that his influence has taken among those who have followed him. The enemy of God is the devil. But go back to the original question. How do you handle this enemy? If you're trying to handle this enemy by yourself, we would encourage you not to do that. If you're trying to handle this enemy on your own strength, we would tell you you're not strong enough to do this. The only way to be pleasing to God, the only way to glorify God, is to do it exactly the way he told us to do it. We thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Diligent Podcast, where we make Bible study come to life. And I'm your host, Joshua Cantrell. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.